second week of our series called Check Engine Soon, Service Engine Soon. I keep getting it mixed up, and I was the one who came up with the series title. So if you mess it up, you're in good company. Uh, but the idea is that in our cars, and maybe you ha- have an old car that doesn't have what we would call an idiot light uh, now. Um, I don't know why they coined that, but uh, there's a light that comes on that says, hey, there's, there's a problem or a potential problem. Uh, look into this. Check this out. And, and so, um, and if you don't, there's going to be an even bigger problem. Like, when that light comes on for me, I immediately get a pit in my stomach because it, that it should just be a dollar sign light that comes on. You know, I just think it's going to be way too expensive. I don't want to do it. And so my personality is I just want to put black electrical tape over it. La, la, la. It's not there. Nothing's going on. But if I do that, what happens? The problem gets worse. It doesn't fix itself. And then ultimately, it's going to cost me more down the road than it would if I were just to take care of it right away. The same is true in our lives. We have physical check engine lights or service engine soon lights that happen where all of a sudden our tooth begins to hurt and we say, okay, I'm going to solve this by chewing on the other side and we don't want to go to the dentist because we know it's going to involve pain and probably more money and probably all these things. Nobody likes to go to the dentist. If you do, you're bizarre, but that's okay. And so, you know, you, you kind of get to it early. If you get to it early, it's not as big of a deal. Then it's not a root canal or whatever. If you let it go too long, then you're going to be in trouble. And that's the same thing with our soul. Oftentimes, you, you might have experienced that just this week. Something happens in our soul where we go, man, this just isn't right. There's something wrong with me. Either I, I'm, I'm responding in ways that I normally don't respond. I, I'm, I'm lashing out in anger. Or I'm really impatient. Or, I, or, I, or I'm, uh, my mind is distracted by things that shouldn't be distracted. Or, man, I've just been thinking. I've been opening up catalogs, wanting to buy things all week long. Those, that, our soul has a check engine light. We would call it our conscience. If, you, if you're, if you're uh, you know, n- not really a follower of God, you're just kind of here because someone invited you or whatever. But... We, we have this thing called the conscious. Those who, who have this relationship with God, they would say maybe sometimes the Holy Spirit flips the light on, you know, and says, dude, you got a problem, you know. Whatever, however, God, God does that. And so this happens to all of us. Our soul has a check engine light. And so what we've been talking about is addressing these issues right when that light comes on. Because just like in our car or in our bodies, if we address these things early, oftentimes we can stop them from becoming big deals down the road. And so what we talked about last week was the the two issues um, about getting the correct, the accurate diagnosis, right? I mean, that's one of the things when your check engine light goes on, one of the things we're scared of is that a mechanic's going to go, yeah, it's your flux capacitor, it's 1200 and you had this and that, and all of a sudden at the end of the day, it's $2,500 and nothing goes away, and you're thinking, I just got taken. We want an accurate diagnosis. If there's something wrong, I want to know exactly what it is. And the other thing is we want somebody who knows what they're doing. And so what we talked about last week was the idea that the Word of God gives us an accurate diagnosis of what's going on in our hearts. And that the people of God, us together, kind of doing life together and moving forward, help us fix the problem. That we can't do it on our own. We said last week, if you try to do it on your own, you will get jacked up. Which is another car reference that none of you got. Anyway, but so... uh, 
But this morning, we're going to talk about something a little bit different. So we, we have a... Um, our family's been going through these car issues, which is probably why we came up with a thing anyway, because I'm totally overwhelmed with car things. Last week, I talked about my Nissan Altima 2000. Is it 13 years old and had 195,000 miles on it, and it would just leak oil everywhere, which, come to find out, is not good. So I've learned that. I'm getting there. Um, and so smoke would come out, and the radiator would leak, and all this kind of stuff. So... So a few weeks ago, we sold, we, she, she passed, uh, and so, um, but we got 500 bucks out of her uh, dying body, and uh, now she's gone, and so then this week, uh, I sold my 66 Mustang and uh, bought a 2005 minivan, which is kind of a reverse midlife crisis, you know, if you just, I'm going the other way, right? So... Uh, Whatever. So we, we sold that one. So now there's one more car we have to buy and all this kind of stuff. But buying a car, if you buy all the cars we buy are used, it's, it's, it's hard. It's troubling. And you don't know what you're getting. And, and, and you got to call people and text them, is the car still available? Oh, it runs great. And then you go look at them and you kick the tires, which doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, I, I, why would you kick the tire? Do they explode? I mean, like, what are you looking for? I've never understood that, but you do it anyway because it makes it look like you know what you're doing. And, and then, you know, and they'll go, you want to see the, you want to open the hood? I'm like, I don't know what any of the things are. So like, it's like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, like the outside could look great. And we were looking at this one, this Honda Civic Hybrid that gets like 7,000 miles to the gallon, and it was beautiful. It was gorgeous, and I'm looking at it, and it's just too cheap, you know, and so you know there's no way, you know, and you know, it's weird because you're praying, God, give us a good deal on a car, and then and then you see a good deal, and you're like, yeah, right. You know, you know, it's like, so you're going through this. You, I lost my salvation four times this week, and <laughs> so you got all, all, this kind of, all this kind of stuff going on. So what I did was, there's a super annoying commercial on the television um, with, this, with um, this thing in it. <clears throat> and, and so, just in case you don't watch television or whatever, um, there's this company called Carfax, and they're really cool because they spell facts wrong. Uh, it, it, you know, you want information, facts, but they spell it F-A-X, yo. And so I, I, don't know why, I don't know why they do that, but it's supposed to be cool. Then they take the A out and put an O in and, and have a mascot called a car fox, which has the most annoying voice of anything on the planet. And it just keeps repeating over and over again, show me the car fax, show me the car fax. And you, you want to stab it in the chest with some, something <laughs> sharp. Right where that A is, that's where it goes in. Uh, but it's, a, in a, it's not real, okay? Just so you, I don't get any emails. Uh, so you, I want to kill that thing. But anyway, the commercials work because I, bu- I did it. I bought, I bought like a little month subscription to it. And, uh, and it works. And so what happens is you got this like really beautiful car and then you're like, show me the car. You know, like you, you call them up and you ask for the VIN number or the license plate number. And then what it will give you is this history of the car. If it's ever been in an accident and, and if it's ever been, um, uh, sal- if it has a salvage title. 
that's what you don't want a salvage title. It means it was like in a flood or something, and then they just fixed it up to make it, it look good. And, uh, and so that's what you want, clean title. And I started thinking to myself, this is, this is life for us. That we all have a history. We, we all have, and it's cool, on the Carfax, it's like, it's not like a born, it's not like a birthday, but it's like, you know, left the factory, you know, and, and it has a little, and you're like, oh, you know, you have your little Honda Accord or whatever, and it just goes through, you know, like, was in an accident, you know, and you're, oh, no, you know, and you're reading it like you're reading a novel, you know, it's, oh, and, and, then, and then it got serviced at this place, and you're wondering, why, you know, what, why, and all these things, and we're the exact same way, and the, the first thing you do in a Carfax is you look for the big red exclamation marks that are like, you know, warning, you know, look, don't do, you know, don't buy this car, whatever, and it really works, and that's our life. I mean, I I can look back over my past if I got my kind of life facts, (laughs) and I just look at, and I go, oh man, I remember that decision. Oh, I wish I could get that one back. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, that was the time when I could have done that, but I chose not to, and now I have all this stuff, and now we, we call those our regrets. And I would imagine, for a group this size, there are several of you, probably all, that can look back over the course of your life and see the places where you have regret. And, and, and the, the, the most difficult thing you know, when you look at your past and you see where someone's wounded you, someone's done something to you, it's almost easier to forgive someone else than it is to forgive yourself. Isn't that weird? Like you can look back and yeah, some people have hurt me or whatever, but the things that really kind of just keep stirring around in my mind are my own decisions are the things where I've sinned against myself or I've made an unwise decision. Maybe at the time I didn't know any better, but I just look back and I know better now and I go, man, if only I had known then what I know now, I never would have done that. Or maybe I even knew then, but I did it anyway. And I reap the consequences for it. I look back and I just think, man, if I could only get that back. You have anything like that? No, you don't need to. You're like, yes, let's share. How about you in the back? No. Right? I mean, we, we all have these things in our past that we wish we never did. Why is it so hard to forgive ourselves? I'll tell you why. It's impossible. See, if I steal from you $50, the way I make that back to you is I repay. Anytime there's an infraction, there's a debt that needs to be paid. So if I disrespect you in public, and now you've lost this respect, the way I would repay you is to stand back up and go, hey guys, you know, I, I really disrespected Bob, and I apologize, and he's really, I was in a bad mood, I didn't have my Wheaties that morning, or whatever, and I apologize, and I've, I've restored, I've, I've made restoration, I've, I've paid that debt back. Maybe for some of you, you've got family members and, you know, things are going on and you say hurtful words and you go back and you restore it. You you say, I'm really sorry. I I didn't mean to do that or whatever. When you sin against yourself, there's no way to repay yourself other than just to have not done it in the first place, which is impossible. If I make a bad investment and it's just like, oh, what did I do that? I'm going to, well, you know what? I lost 10 grand. I'm going to make it up to myself by earning 10 more grand to pay. You can't do it. Oh, I was in this bad relationship. I'm going to make it up to myself. How? 
You can't. And we know this internally. And so it begins to bring a lot of stress and anxiety, and we begin to rehearse over and over and over again. Why did I do that? Why, why did this happen? The other thing that's weird about us is we think we should be above all of it. We kind of feel that, hey, you know, those people are pretty bad, or they did this, but man, that one bad thing I did, I'm not that bad. Now, how in the world do you get through this then? Because you have memories. You can't just forget it happened, right? I mean, don't, and it's bad advice, but haven't you said to people before, oh, just forget about it. It's over. It's in the past. You can't forget about it. We have these memories, these things we live with. You can't, and you can try to forget about it, or you can try to work and work and work and work. And if I become a really good person, that'll kind of outweigh the bad thing that I did, and then maybe I'll kind of prove to myself, again, I really am a good person. You can't repay yourself. So what do you do? with these regrets, with these bad decisions, with your past, when you show me the life facts and you look and you're like, oh, salvage title, oh, head-on collision, you know, missed several payments, you know, whatever the thing shows you on your life. We all have them. Well, fortunately, the word of God addresses this very issue. And it, it addresses the issue of, look, you cannot repay yourself. It's impossible. And if you're just waiting around to forgive yourself, you cannot. It's impossible. And so if you want to open up your Bible, if you want to follow along, I'll have the scriptures up um, behind me. But uh, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And if you look on your notes, it's really cool. Uh, where there are all the lines where you'd write your notes. It says Colossians 2, 18 through 13. <laughs> which is back, back, backwards um, for you Bible scholars. I just, I made a mistake. It's supposed to be 8 through 15, so that's what we're going to go over this morning if, you're, if you want to cross that out and write a little note. And I've not forgiven myself for making that mistake. I just live with the regret all day. All right, let, check this out. See to it that no one takes you captive. This is very strong language here. Okay, now, how, I don't, you know, none of us want to be taken captive, of course. We all have our free will. We want, we love our freedom. We want freedom. How does Paul talk about us being taken captive? Through philosophy. Now, again, Paul's not saying don't read any Aristotle, you know. Like, do, it, it's the philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world. Now, here's what Paul's saying. The way you think about your past, the way you think about life, the way you approach situations, the way you view yourself can hold you captive. You can be held captive by labels that have been placed on you as a child. You can be held captive with decisions you've made in your youth. You can be held captive by that party that you attended that you keep going back to thinking, I wish I had never gone to that party, that business trip, that first marriage, the whatever. You can be held captive in your own mind. And what Paul's saying is don't let anyone hold you captive. 
Don't let there be any philosophy or tradition of man or something that's going to put a label on you that's going to say a certain thing about you, okay? Don't let that happen. When it says, see that no one takes you captive, in my experience, the one that takes us captive the most is ourselves, how we see ourselves. And we see it all the time. I mean, people feel, they feel insecure or whatever, so they act a certain way, they do a certain thing, they go down a certain path because of those insecurities. And meanwhile, nobody feels this way about them. They feel this way about themselves, and so they're insecure, and so it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy. Paul's saying, see that nobody does that, not even yourself. Now watch, this is so cool. Rather than according to Christ. Here's what Paul's saying. The lens you need to look at your life with is the lens of Christ. Your value, your importance, your past, your hopes and dreams, future, all that. Paul's saying, don't don't buy into all that other stuff. What does Jesus Christ say about it? We have regrets, okay? What does Christ say about it? That party, that relationship, that f- financial investment, that business that went belly up, what does Jesus say about it? Now, why, why would we look through the lens of Christ? What, why would we do that? He answers it in the very next sentence. Next verse. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. If you're new to church and you've heard that Christians are, think that Jesus was God, this is one of the verses why Christians f- think that. In him, all the fullness of deity, godness, dwelt in bodily form. What Paul is saying is this. If you want to grow close to God, find out more and more about Jesus. If you want to have a real deep relationship with, with your heavenly Father, Find out about Jesus. You want to know how to live, how to kind of approach certain situations? Look at Jesus. You want to see how Jesus dealt, how to um, approach your past? Look at how Jesus dealt with people when he knew their past. See, in Christ, and this word all is really important because we're going to keep hitting on this word uh, several times. All the fullness of deity dwells. God has an opinion about your past. We're going to see it in just a little bit. But he's, he's, he would like to weigh in on this conversation that you're having with yourself about decisions that you've made. He has something to say. Now, all, all the fullness of deity dwells in him in bodily form. This means that Jesus has something godly to say in this relationship. And not only that, as we see in this next verse, he has the authority to do it. It says this, and in him, you've been made complete. And he is the head over all rule and authority. All of it. So, here's what happens. Don't let any any weird philosophy or deception or tradition or your, your parents have told you a certain thing about you or your whole family told you you were no good or you were clumsy or whatever that you throw all that out and you go to the one with all the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form and you say I'd like you to weigh in on this please because he's got the authority to do it 
And this word here, complete, you've been made complete, is so cool. What I told first service, and I'll tell you, as you go through the, um, the devotional that Bob put together for this week, keep going back to this section of scripture in Colossians 2, 8 through 15. And just keep reading it and keep, keep looking through it and keep trying to figure out, you know, what, because there's so much more in here than what I can cover on just a Sunday morning, okay? And so, uh, even made it complete. It, it means to fill liberally. Like, like not, not, again, this isn't a political statement, you know. It, it's, it's, like, it's like, man, your cup, your life, your, your perspective, Christ wants to come in and be, with all the fullness of deity, make it complete, what happens is, at least what happens in my life, is I don't trust he's going to do it, and so I try to fill it with some other stuff. And he just waits and says, remove that stuff so I can fill it. I want to just fill it up. I have all authority to do so. In him is all the fullness of deity. It dwells in bodily form. In him you've been made complete, and he is head over all rule and authority. His opinion matters. It counts. So then Paul goes into some weird language that we don't really use. I mean, we know the word that I'm going to show, but it's just kind of a weird context that we don't really use that much. Um, but he says, uh, and, you know, is kind of exclusive to men. But, uh, and in him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. You're like, uh, uh, okay. hey, thanks, Paul. I mean, like for us, we're just like, wow, that's really bizarre. Thanks, Paul. Um, in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. You're just like, man, I don't know. I, I don't know if you're like me. I, that kind of, it makes me uncomfortable, okay? They just like to talk, but it's in the Bible, so I got to say it. And they pay me to say everything that's in the Bible, so I have to say circumcised, circumcision, uncircumcised, yeah, all that kind of stuff. But here's, here's all Paul's saying, because for us, 2,000 years later, we're like, dude, keep that to yourself. What's your problem, you know? But, but to them, what this meant was that that whole idea of circumcision was that I, your identity, that your identity, the uncircumcised were those who were apart from God, from Yahweh. And the circumcised were those who were apart. Again, it just makes me, I'm still uncomfortable. I, I, this is like second service. I've gone over this already all week, but I'm still uncomfortable. Okay, so, but that's, it's your identity. So listen to this. In him... Okay, with, your, with this removal of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ, in him you are identified now. This is super, super important to understand. In him is all the fullness of deity. He's got all authority and he wants to weigh in on your life. He wants to weigh in on your perspective. He wants to weigh in on the conversation you're having with yourself. He's got all rule and authority. In him you are now identified as one who follows Christ. That's your identity. The traditions of men, the old philosophy, the way the, the way the world wants to tell you if you don't have this, you're not really that much and you need that. And if you don't look a certain way, uh, uh, you know, this is, this is the model of what you should look like, both male and female. Christ says, no, 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 no. Your identity is your mind. I am the fullness of deity. Your mind. You're identified with me. Now watch. So cool. He says this. Having been buried with him in baptism. 
in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Your, your past, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, is different. You say, well, man, I remember all these types of things. I know, but the lens, when we look through the lens of Christ, there's something different. You see, I got all these memories, John. If you knew all the memories I have of my past, I know. And no one's asking you to get rid of those memories. You can't get rid of those memories. We're going to see them in just a couple verses. We're going to see how this takes a, a really great turn. Having been buried with him in baptism, those things are dead now. Your, your previous life, dead, done, buried. Now you're raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now here we go. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, there he goes again, he made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. All of them. All of them. Every single one. That thing in your head, you keep going back to and you're just like, God, why? Why'd I do that? It's, it's forgiven. All of them. You say, but John, there are some that nobody knows about but me. That's not true. <laughs> There's one other person that knows. Saw the whole rotten thing play out and had an opinion on it at the time and has an opinion on it now. It is forgiven completely. Now, isn't it weird that there's a little part of us that finds that kind of disturbing? Shouldn't it be harder? Like, what if, if you just forgive it, I might just go out and do it again. Because if you're just going to be forgiven stuff, hey, I got a second chance. I just won't do it as much. <laughs> right? When we're alive in Christ, God understands once we have that Holy Spirit working through us and in us and we're working with Christ, that will all play itself out. The thing that holds us back, the thing that holds us captive is this idea that nobody, it really shouldn't be forgiven. It was wrong. I know he forgave it, but I really don't think he should have, to be honest. It's forgiven. All of it. Now, you go, well, I still got all these memories and they still don't make me feel very good about myself. And isn't that what we're all about anyway? Shouldn't you, can you give me something that will make me feel good about myself? Absolutely. Check this out. Verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. Let me just give you a little thing. When you and I enter into a contract nowadays, uh, let's say I borrow $500 from you. Um, a lawyer will typically write something like that up. My lawyer will look at it. Your lawyer will look at it, and it'll say John has um, borrowed, you know, five hundred dollars 
from Pastor Bob, and you are, you know, putting up your guitar as collateral, and uh, you're going to pay it off in three years, and here's the interest rate, and here's the penalty if you're late, and all this kind of stuff, and you read it, and it's a fine print, and that's why I have my glasses looking in there, and it's like, you're, you, if you're good at it, you know how, which questions to ask or whatever, or you just go, ah, I'll sign it anyway. And so your signature down at the bottom is the thing that kind of put, puts you on the line. Well, back in the day when Paul was writing this, you would write out the whole thing yourself. I, John Rittenhouse, borrowed $500 from Pastor Bob, and I am putting up my guitar as collateral, and I agree that the thing, and you write the whole thing. It's in your own handwriting. So it's not just like, well, did you forge your signature? You'd have to like forge the entire document. And that's what would be used. And that is called a certificate of debt in your own handwriting. Now, think about your past. As you go through your mistakes, as you go through like, man, why did I do that? You know what the, one of the other biggest regrets is? Not doing something. I, I have regrets of things where I was like, why didn't I? I should have. They're just as dangerous. All I'm doing when I go back through my past is I just write out this decree of debt to myself. I, then when I was 16, I, da, 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 I wish I'd never done that. I write in my own handwriting, say, I wish I'd never done that. Here's what Christ does. He says, let me, let me see the documents. Let me see all your documents. Thank you. Mm-hmm, yep. Okay, are you John Rittenhouse? Yep, did you write this? Uh Uh-huh, okay, good. Oh, you wish you'd never done it? It's your statement under, you solemnly swear. Place your hand on the Bible. I don't know what God would do, but anyway. All right, this is you, this is your thing? Yep, that's me. Cancel. Done. It says, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us. All these things we say, I wish I had, I wish I had, and I wish I never did. All that canceled, which was hostile to us, right? Because it gets in our mind and we can't let it go and it holds us captive as we, as we saw in verse eight. It is taken out of the way having nailed it to the cross. Is that some of the most beautiful imagery you've ever read. He takes that certificate that you wrote with your own hands that you signed. He spelled out the whole thing. You could probably go back right now and rewrite the whole thing. He takes it, he says, canceled, and he nails it up on the cross just in case anyone else wants to look at it. And you know who wants to look at it? Satan does. He wants to say, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me that thing, give me that thing. Wait a minute. You did what? Are you kidding me? Do you, do you have any friends? You should not have any friends. You should not be around people. This is the kind of person, this is the kind of person we're talking, you know there's a place for these kind of people. Let me tell you something. I should know. I live there. No, I don't, I don't know what Satan says either, but, right? Satan wants to just keep going. No, 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 no. It's not canceled. Not so fast, buddy. Not so fast. You knew at the time what you were doing was wrong. Get, get that back. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I nailed it to the cross. There's, you can't get it down. 
I, I heard a, <laughs> just a corny thing this week. Um, it is corny, but I kind of liked it, so I'm going to share it with you. It, uh, let me say, when Satan um, talks to you about your past, uh, talk to him about his future. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I'll make a bumper sticker, make millions of dollars off of that one. <clears throat> and, I, and I stole it from someone, so it'll be forgiven. It'll be fine. Okay, no, I'm kidding around, right? He's taken out, he's had it nailed to the cross. Now watch this, this is so cool. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him, through Christ. So here's the thing. What do we do with the memories, right? Because you're forgiven, but the thing happened. It really, it really went down. You really made the mistake. The business really failed, or the relationship really failed, or you, 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 you took it or did it or whatever. You can't get rid of them. Here's the thing. We take those things, and we turn those memories into memorials of how great and gracious our Heavenly Father is. We take those things of when we look back and we go, oh man, how could I be so stupid? And how can you be so gracious? See, that is making a public display of it. That's saying, I'm not going to hide. I mean, now, now there are some things you might want to keep hidden just for hidden sake, right? But God wants to redeem those things. Those memories become a memorial to going, God, if it wasn't for you, I could have done way, way worse. Thank you for your graciousness. Thank you for letting me, for opening my eyes and letting me see the redemptive work that you did on the cross. Thank you for taking that thing that was so evil and so bad and taking it and nailing it to the cross. Praise you. Thank you. I, I thank God for those memories. I thank God for some of my memories of my past mistakes. Not because I'm like, woohoo. It's like, God, man, because see, there's a thing in us where we fool ourselves into thinking we should be better than that. And that's part of the reason why we berate ourselves, because we go, man, I'm not, I'm not that kind of guy. Yes, you are. I'm not that kind of woman. Yes. It says, while we were yet sinners, it didn't say, while we cheated on our taxes. Is sinners, sinners, sinners sin. While we were there, Christ died for us. Done, forgiven. And now we take those memories and we turn them into memorials. And we go, God, if it wasn't for you, I don't know where I'd be. That mistake, oh, if I'd, if I'd never turned from that, if, if I just stayed with my own flesh, my own sin nature, who knows what I would have done. Yeah, we lie to ourselves and think, no, no, the real bad stuff, that's done by other people. We're all capable of it. Each memory becomes a memorial to how gracious and loving and forgiving our Heavenly Father is.